welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with a goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and mama to Bear and Hey friends, Laura here. I have an awesome guest with us today. Um, We have gotten so many questions about the pelvic floor, about recovery, about things we can do during pregnancy and postpartum to help heal the pelvic floor. But I also feel that the pelvic floor is kind of this mysterious part of our bodies that we so often lose touch with. And so um, not really any fault of our own, (laughs) and we'll dive into that. But I have a guest on today who is an expert, um, very well-versed, has incredible experience, and she is going to enlighten us, and I cannot wait for that. But before we dive in, I wanted to just give you guys a quick update. I've been doing a ton of traveling with Evie and Rusty, um, and he's been gone a lot. So I've been doing a lot of solo parenting, and uh, our most recent trip was to Portland, and it was incredible. We had such a blast. Um, and then next week, we leave for Seattle for five days. Um, and we're just learning that our little one really likes to travel, and she does a great job. She adjusts really well, but we've kind of been hit now. Um, we got home, and two days later, she we waited and waited and waited for that first tooth, and now we are at eight months, and in one night, she had two breakthrough, and then has two more that are, are right under the surface, and this all happened in a period of like two days. She slept one night all the way through, the next night up every hour dealing with the teething. So we are in the throngs of teething right now and rolling with it, but it's been interesting. So I will give you an update once, um, I'm pretty sure she's going to get about four teeth in the span of four days. So that's where we're at. <laughs> and it's just, it's been interesting seeing how um, much it can change a little one in terms of just being in that constant pain. I, I mean, I can't blame her, but it's, it's tough. So that's where we are. I'm just glad Rusty's home from Brazil and with me for this. It definitely helps, but we're just kind of rolling with it. So thought I'd give you that quick update and I will report back once those teeth are in and hopefully things go back to some normalcy, though with a baby, I don't know that there is any um, normal. So that's where we're at. Um, and on that note, let's move forward. So I want to introduce Dr. Sherry Lorraine. Um so Sherry, I'll have to have you tell me what, so PT is physical therapist. What is DPT? Doctor of physical therapy. Doctor of physical therapy. And then PhD is obviously uh, a PhD. Right. Okay. Awesome. Got it. Just making sure. So Dr. Sherry Lorraine graduated with an undergraduate health science degree from University of Central Florida with a full bright futures scholarship. Dr. Lorraine attended University of St. Augustine for a master's degree in physical therapy. She continued on for a doctorate in physical therapy with emphasis on the sacroiliac joint through the University of St. Augustine while studying in California. Dr. Lorraine worked as Shriners Hospital for Children, Shreveport, Shreveport, Uh um, Louisiana, got it, and the 3D Gate Analysis Laboratory as a doctor of physical therapy while acquiring her PhD in research and education. She continues on with her education through the American Physical Therapy Association section on women's health and completed a certificate of achievement in CAP, C-A-P-P, pelvic floor and OB physical therapy and her breast cancer care certificate through the 
K-L-O-S-E, is that, I don't know if you spell it out, or Close Institute. Dr. Lorraine is the only dual doctorate, cat, pelvic floor, OB, and breast certified women's health physical therapist within two counties. That is rad. This has become her sole treatment area and passion. Her motto is to support patients in living life to their healthiest potential, which those of you who've been listening for a while know that that's how we... Um, that's definitely aligns with how we believe and what we preach on this podcast. So we are so grateful to have you on, Sherry. You're clearly a wealth of knowledge and experience, and um, I'm just so grateful. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So I'm cool. really proud of what you're doing. This is great. Thank you. That means a lot. We've had, you know, it's been it's been really incredible watching the tribe of um, women and some men grow in terms of our listenership and. Um, the, the kind of support that they are offering each other and the questions that they're asking. And I feel that conversations are being started that have for a while now been kind of either taboo or women have been ashamed to ask. And so one of the biggest things we want to do is just open up a dialogue so that we can have conversations about like our vaginas and our pelvic floors and our, um, you know, all the things that we so often, women are basically told, Hey, you're okay. You've had a baby, you're six weeks postpartum, go back to life, go back to getting your like quote unquote body back. And it's, to me, it's so saddening. And, um, our bodies are so incredible for what they're capable of, what they've done, bringing life into the world. And we need to treat them with that kind of love. So I'm just happy that the conversation is being, is, is being had and that there was such a demand for you to come on this podcast and share your wisdom with us. So we are ever so grateful. And I posted a call for questions like, and uh, maybe 24 hours ago and within eight hours, I just had a full, a full list of questions because this is something that so many people are curious about. So thank you again. Um, yes, that's great. Yeah. So before we kick off, I always like to ask, kind of just like an icebreaker question. And so right now I'm curious to know what your current favorite food is. If you could eat anything all day for the next week, you might get sick of it by the end of that, but what would that be? (laughs) Um, probably a shame to say, but it would have to be dark chocolate. Oh, no shame there. That's how I am too. <laughs> I like it darker the better. Like I like ninety percent, but then it. Was, oh yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, so I have, have that little bitterness to it. Yes. Do you have a favorite chocolate brand? Um, I think right now I'm in the Lindens. The oh yeah, that has a little sea salt on it. Oh, yeah, right so now good. I'm going for that. So yeah. I was eating it. That was like my go-to every afternoon. I would do like ninety percent dark chocolate with coconut butter. Um, on top. And uh, it started keeping my kid up like through my breast milk. It was impacting her (laughs) sleep. And that was a huge bummer. So I've cut back a little bit. Now I like cut it off around 11. I'm done with coffee and chocolate for the day. But um, once she weans, I am going back to my afternoon chocolate because it's such a delight. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so now let's get into the meat of this. So first, we, we heard your bio, but tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of like, who you are and um, how you found your passion to drive you to do what you do. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I'm a mom of a 12 year old. That's amazing girl. Um, her name is Madden. I'm a wife. We've been married 21 years tomorrow and, um, I'm a sole owner practitioner, um, of a pelvic floor clinic. So, um, everything I do is based on health and nutrition. And I really want to encourage everybody to help have a healthy lifestyle. I'm a runner. I'm a boxer. I'm a yoga enthusiast. I'm a mountain biker. Um, we kind of do it all. I ride horses. Um, so that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background, how I got into this field. Cause everyone's like, what in the world? Why are you here? You know, what, what brought you to this point? 
um, I was in an accident and in a horseback riding accident and my horse and I did two somersaults. We were running and he tripped and he landed on top of me, um, and rolled and then again and broke my pelvis in eight places. And I was basically told that, um, this is the rest of your life. Pick out a wheelchair. This is it. And I wasn't okay with that. So I went through physical therapy and, um, was able to walk again. It took a lot of work and a lot of years. And I was told that I would never have a baby. And, um, long story short, I was a physical therapist and was dealing with a lot of problems and felt like I was in in the right field to deal with these problems. And, um, I was not getting the help that I needed. So I kept going to doctor after doctor and they were basically like, you're lucky to be walking. Why are you complaining about leaking when you're jumping rope? Or why are you complaining about pain? you know, you're lucky to be doing what you're doing. Stop complaining. And so I just kept saying, that's not the answer. I'm going to keep going. So I finally found a doctor of women's health. Um, her name is Marietta. She actually lives in Shreveport, Louisiana. And, um, once I found her, she just changed my life and opened my eyes. And as soon as I discovered what the pelvic floor and the impact it has on the body, I went back to school and I said, all right, I got to figure this out because I didn't know this. And I was a PT treating people every day for their impairments. And I had no idea. Um, I felt like I had a good grasp and knowledge and I wasn't able to help myself. So, um, in the meantime, I adopted my amazing daughter from Taiwan and, um, she is, um, quite the little me and doesn't look a lick like me, but (laughs) anyway, um, so that led me into going back to school. And then when I moved home to Florida, I was going to start working at a women's health clinic and they had no idea what that was. It didn't exist here. And so, um, eight years ago, that's what I started knocking on doors, asking physicians to refer patients to me. And a lot of them laughed at me. And I had one, um, doctor that took me in under his wing and he advertised and he totally, um, was a big supporter and he was a urogynecologist and he was basically like, why are all these other people's patients getting rehab and, and mine are not, that doesn't make any sense. Mine should be too. So um, that's where it started. And eight years later, I have an amazing staff. Um, there's six therapists and four front office, and it's just amazing. And we help people all day, every day deal with these topics that no one wants to discuss and people are embarrassed to talk about. And, um, it's just made a huge, huge difference in my life. And I want to educate and help every woman I can with theirs. I have goosebumps over here. I'm sitting here with my jaw dropped, first off, that, that story, that's incredible. And the comeback to think that you were, were going to be in a wheelchair. And then now you're, are you riding again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me and my daughter, we both have horses. Wow. And um, she's a runner and I'm a runner. And we run, we try to win every race we can sign up for. And wow. she's she's in seventh grader, um, made the varsity cross country team. So she's that's incredible. She's, like I said, following in my footsteps makes me pretty proud. Yeah, like mother, like daughter. That's so incredible. Um, and for you to be such a solid example for her. And then also, I think I can only imagine that your patients have that much more trust that they put in you because you've been through it yourself and you've healed yourself and you you have such a like a, a drive to spread this word because it was so impactful for you. I know like for myself, I'm a nutrition consultant. And for me, the way I came to nutrition, I used to be an English teacher and I came through it because of changes that I made in my life that like legitimately saved and changed my life. So I just feel like the passion to do the work is so much more powerful when um, right. it's, it's changed our own lives. So that's really cool. And I love right. that you are helping women to 
feel more empowered in their vaginas ultimately because right um, you know Absolutely, it's, yeah. a lot of women don't even know like the difference between a vagina and a vulva and or that area at all or pelvic floor or uterus like it's so it's so amazing to me that we are so out of touch with such an important part it's like our power source I think so um, right, I'm super right. excited to dive into this stuff and thank you for sharing your story um, I imagine that you probably have a very busy practice I, people are probably trying to book out Pretty, I'm sure that you have to book people out pretty far in advance. I imagine that, especially because it sounds like you're the only one in your area that is doing this. Yeah. And well, we're going to get into the pregnancy side of things yeah. and what I do. I'm the only one in the whole United States that does it. And just to put this out there, the American Physical Therapy Association, um, what I say about pregnancy, they don't support what I say. Wow. Um, so just to put that out there that my experience and what I do with pregnant patients is completely unsupported by the section on women's health, which is the APTA. But you go to Europe and everybody, every pregnant patient goes to prehab and rehab Mm -hmm. before giving birth and after birth. And it's not, it's not westernized medicine and it's unaccepted here. And um, here, if you're pregnant, they, it's, they don't want you to have a pelvic floor exam because um, they're, you know, scared of what's going to happen. But that's the most vital time in your life that you need pelvic floor work. You're about to expect your body to run a marathon and you've never taken one step. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. So um, anyway, I just needed to put that out there because I don't want people to come back expecting to find a PT in their area that does the stuff that I do when it comes to pregnancy. Everything yeah. else I talk about, there's you know pelvic floor PTs. And again, I'm not supported by the mm-hmm. section um, and some of the stuff that I say. So Our listeners know that by nature, I'm kind of a rebellious person. So that makes me awesome. want to come, come see you <laughs> specifically because Great. I mean, it's the same can be said for like standard American diet and big food and what they endorse right. is the exact opposite of really the holistic, like healing approach to nutrition. So um, I'm totally on board. I think that's actually, it makes me love you even more. <laughs> Yay, we're gonna go walk off. Yeah, totally. Well, let's dive in then because we do have a lot of questions about kind of like preventative measures um, before, like, uh, you know, specifically to during pregnancy, but then we could even probably dive into um, even when like pre-pregnancy, when trying to conceive, preparing to even take that route. So um, one woman did ask, so what things can we do before and or during pregnancy to help the phase for after we have the baby? So what are your thoughts there then? So the biggest thing that you can do, I'm going to give you two things. The two biggest things that you can do while you're pregnant to prepare to have a good, successful postpartum time is one, make sure your pelvic floor has good range of motion. So our entire life, we're told squeeze, you read Cosmo and it says, do your Kegels, every stoplight, make sure you're squeezing. You know, we have this um, society that tells us to stay skinny and hold it tight and don't let anything fall out and you got to stay tight for your man. And we could so do all a podcast the- on just that alone, drives me out of my mind. Right. <laughs> right. So, but no one ever says, hey, relax your vagina, let those muscles go. So, when we think about the shoulder or the elbow or the knee, we think, oh, we want full range of motion. Our bicep needs to have full range of motion, our quads, full range of motion. Our pelvic floor needs to have full range of motion as well which means we need to be able to relax those muscles all the way so that we can push a baby out. And then at the same time, we need to have a strong muscle. So we need to be able to contract it all the way. So if you're just sitting at the stop di- at the stoplight, just doing little squeezes, that is not a contraction. That's a, there's three components to a Kegel, a squeeze, a lift, and a shift. And if you're just squeezing, then you're not getting anywhere. It's like doing a, uh, just squeezing your bicep and not lifting anything or not moving your arm. 
So um, that would be number one is make sure when your body is at rest, your pelvic floor should be at rest too. So focus on it, breathe, relax, make sure you're not holding tight. And you'll find oftentimes like when you're driving, you shouldn't be tightening your pelvic floor and you're going to, a lot of people will, while driving, realize that they actually are holding tight Mm -hmm. just because it becomes a habit. So that would be the number one thing. And then the number two thing, make sure that you are using your pelvic floor functionally, which means when you, maybe you have a toddler already, maybe you're carrying in a bag of groceries, maybe there's a heavy door that you have to push open. Any times that you're going to exert your body and ask it to work a little bit harder, make sure you engage that pelvic floor as well, which is tightening the, the anus and the vagina together. So make sure you're tightening that muscle as well so that you can support that human that's sitting on your pelvic floor. So right now you're already putting your body at a disadvantage by um, having a baby grow in your belly. So those muscles, it's called the length tension curve, those muscles, the length of them has been expanded so they can't work as well. So if we, we need to help them out. So when we cough, sneeze, laugh, lift something heavy, push, pull something, pick up our, our toddler, squeeze those mus- muscles and support yourself. And then whenever you're done, relax those muscles. So you have full range of motion. So what that's going to do is that's going to give your body a little bit of a heads up as to what you expect afterwards. Now, afterwards, it's going to be different because the body has gone through a trauma. Those muscles have gone through a trauma. Everything has been stretched exponentially and then everything needs to recoil back. So, but when you're done delivering, it doesn't matter if you have stitches or no stitches, C-section, but natural birth, um, you can automatically go back to that functional support and you actually should. So as soon as you're done giving birth, placenta's out, you know, everybody's, you know, back calm, recuperating, you should start that functional support, getting in and out of bed, rolling over to lift up your new baby. So anytime you cough, sneeze, laugh, give yourself that functional support. And that's just going to encourage the recoil of your organs and your muscles back to where they originally was, were. That is awesome. So just to reiterate, then the functional support specifically is, is what it's like the tightening and bracing, I guess, when you are in action and then the relaxing when your body is relaxing. Right. Yes. So it's engaging of those muscles. Um, and a way you can kind of make sure you're doing it right is if you put your hand over your belly and if you engage those muscles and your belly goes out, then you're doing it incorrectly. If you engage those muscles and your belly pulls in, like you're pulling your belly button to your spine, then that means you're doing it correctly. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, and I know cause we, we have, we've had some, um, some chiropractors and stuff on in the past and and who've had kind of taken issue with the the verbiage of belly button to spine because um, it's like kind of like sucking in and taking all the breath out. So do you? Right, right. So but so I guess just to clarify, because that those words in and of themselves can be I think kind of confusing to people because sometimes people will just like suck in all the air, pull the belly button to the spine. So do you have right. maybe another way to or do, do I mean I guess. Yeah. So you shouldn't be engaging. So that would be the outer core, like Mm -hmm. your six pack muscles. We don't want to engage that. We only want to engage the inner core. So you're not going to see all your muscles ripply tight. You're just going to feel your muscle, your belly not going out. And you're going to feel your belly just sinking in a little bit, but not sucking in your belly. Your action is all happening between the pubic bone and the tailbone. All those muscles are squeezing together there. Again, if you're squeezing them together appropriately, your belly should sink in just a tiny bit. Okay. But, but you should not suck it. Or, yeah, don't suck it in. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Cool. That is very helpful. And I think it just gives people some actionable 
you know, something actual they can put into play right away, especially with the relaxed part, because I think probably more likely than not, I don't know, obviously you're the expert here. One of the issues that, um, that I hear of, and maybe it's cause I'm in the, like the CrossFit world is that there's oftentimes an over tightening. And I think it's because, yeah. especially as females growing up in today's society, we are always told to suck it in, stay tight, just like you were saying before. And so I know for me, like my diaphragm and pelvic floor were just basically disconnected because I was constantly, I didn't even realize it, but when I get stressed out, especially like my upper abdomen, it always just is in such a state of tension and I'm like constantly holding everything tight. So for me, learning to like belly breathe and just relax it all has been a game changer. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So that hypertonic pelvic floor is probably 75% of our practice, men and women. We yeah. see men as well for pelvic floor. And so um, to, but anyway, to release that, would you yeah. do it like breathe into your full belly or how, like what's the best so way we, to relax? Yep. We call it the big belly blow okay. and um, it's a muscle confusion pattern. And like you were saying, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor, they work together. So if we breathe in an abnormal fashion, the pelvic floor um, with muscle confusion, they kind of just don't know what to do and they give in. Mm -hmm. So normally when you take a big exhale, your belly will deflate. You're getting all the air out of your belly and using the diaphragm in that manner. But what we, what we have patients do is to exhale through their mouth, like they're blowing through a straw, but at the same time, push your belly up into the air. So you're creating that pregnant belly, you know, create that belly. And as that's happening, like I said, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are kind of like, wait, what is this? This is not normal. And so the pelvic floor will give in and relax. And so if you're doing that big belly blow, that will create that range of motion in your pelvic floor. And it's kind of like muscle memory. Your body's like, oh, I do remember I can go there and cool. start taking that up, that range of motion back up. I love it. I've heard a number of times, just like I've seen and heard on social media, the, the term uh, piston breathing. Do you know what that is? I don't. So I'm just, I don't, this is kind of out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's when you um, pull everything up and under your rib cage. Oh, okay. Piston breathing is to um, get the highest position of your pelvic floor. Got it. And is that beneficial or not? Or is it, is that a thing? Yeah. If you're working on strength and you're working on the height of your pelvic floor, but, um, honestly, that's kind of a cheat factor. You should be able to do it without it. And, oh, okay. um, when you, the more you do your pelvic floor exercises, then you should be able to get there without the pistoning or the hyperpressive breath is what it's also called. Okay. And for our listeners who are getting back to exercise postpartum, I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead here. We're going to get to postpartum, but I'm just, while my brain is here, um, I imagine you want to be in that. So you, you do, you take the breath in, your belly comes in just a little bit. Everything is nice and tight. And that's when you would do like the squat or the lift or whatever. And then at the end, end, then that's when you let the breath go. Right. So we get that exactly. asked all the time. Like, when do I breathe in? When do I breathe out? And it's like, everything should be tight and, um, braced before you let the, before, while you are doing the movement. Right. Yeah. So that's where the little key, um, tagline of if your body's in motion, keep that pelvic floor engaged when your body's relaxed, your pelvic floor should be relaxed. Good. I love it. And then, so our, our next question, we've already kind of covered it, but she did, I think it's important to clarify because she said she was told she has a hyper toned pelvic floor and in her fitness mind, she hears toned and she thinks that's a good thing. So I guess maybe diving in into a little bit about like why the hyper part of that is not necessarily great. And, um, and why that could be a problem. And she said she's going into another pregnancy. So is having a hyper toned pelvic floor bad for leading up to her second pregnancy? Yeah. So we call it hypertonic pelvic floor and hypertonic is yes, too much tone. Okay. Um, so that will happen usually because of a guarding reflex that has kicked in. Mm. And, um, if that maybe it was happening when she had her first baby, 
Um, a guarding reflex is something that's systemic. It's within our entire body. It's the reflex that kicks in when you break your arm or hurt your arm, you pull your arm close to you and you guard it. Um, or when people have a frozen shoulder because they have a tear on their labrum and then over time it just becomes frozen and they can't move it. It's basically all the muscles around the area start to come, become a spasm in spasm. And then you lose that range of motion. And then over time, because of the range of motion loss, the muscle becomes shortened. And so then your range of motion is at 25% or 50% and you never relax all the way. Everything is just tightening, tightening, tightening. So, um, and again, that's society, I think has a, some hand in that as well. Um, so then with that hypertonic pelvic floor, you cannot relax all the way to give birth without tearing or having an episiotomy or, um, a lot of times if the hypertonia is bad enough, it'll lead to a C-section. Yeah. Damn. The so big belly blows are, are the way to go. Okay. Right? And like, it's crazy because we think about the C-section rates right now in this country are out of control and it's, right. you know, and so moms are not supported through their labor and delivery necessary, but necessarily, but that's not, oh, everyone's like, let's just, we, you know, let's blame the hospitals and the doctors and the OBs. And it's like, well, also let's take a step back and look at the bigger issue here a more systemic issue of the fact that little girls right. are told they need to like be pretty and suck in and put on heels and, and yep. you know, wear the tight, the tight stuff that's going to like girdle them up. And so it starts right. so much earlier than just pregnancy and prenatal care. It's from the time we're little girls and you and I both have daughters and I'm like, mama bear over here. Like no, nobody better uh, yeah. tell my daughter to put on <laughs> right. anything tight or suck in. <laughs> drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, so that's so just- another on adding to that, another thing is, is, um, from when we were little being told, go to the bathroom before you leave the house, you know, everybody go before we leave the house oh. or you know, you're at the mall and you're like, Oh, Macy's has the best bathroom. I'm going to go ahead and go now. So that we call that losing control of being in control. So we start to try to control when we urinate. And the fact is, is that our body is already programmed to urinate when we need to urinate. And it's going to tell us when it's time to go and it's going to give us the appropriate signal. And then when we go, it's going to be easy. But over time, again, society and, you know, all that has kicked in and we've been told to control our urine and hold it longer. And well, in fact, we've really just created havoc on this amazing reflex, the matrician reflex, which kicks in and allows us to pee normally. So over time, what happens is our pelvic floor, because we're holding it too long or because we're going too frequently, our pelvic floor becomes affected because it all works together down there. And that will create hypertonia as well. So are vice versa, because we're afraid we're going to leak or we're afraid that we're not going to make it to the bathroom or we haven't made it in the past, we're going to start holding our pelvic floor tension so we don't leak or don't have those accidents or, you know, are able to finish our jump rope session or whatever, you know. Hi, friends. Laura here. I am so excited to announce that the Modern Mamas podcast has joined forces with Paleo Valley. If you've been following me for long, you know that I absolutely love and appreciate their products because they've been such an important part of my journey to health and then also now Evie's journey, especially with her first foods. Our absolute favorite in this household is the grass-fed organ complex. We also love the beef sticks and their brand new turkey sticks and take them with us basically everywhere we go on all of our travels. Some other of our favorites include the organic super greens, which are great for smoothie bowls or smoothies or just taking down the hatch right as they are. We love the grass-fed, non-denatured whey, the superfood bars, which are loaded with collagen, and um, I cannot wait to now try their new Essential C Complex. Don't miss out. You can get an awesome deal. Just head to our show notes for the discount code and link and try them for yourself. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy. 
blowing my mind because now that's, I'm so glad you said that because I've never, for me, I've always gone pee when I had to go pee. But now that I have a kid, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I'll, I'll like find myself like trying to push the pee out a lot faster or like, you know, right. that kind of thing. And, and I do sometimes I'll like think I'm done and then I go to wipe and then there's more dribble and I'm like, ah, something's not quite right there. So I think I need to just chill out <laughs> when it comes to going right. to the bathroom. Yeah. And right. I, like, I understood that on some level, but to actually hear an expert say it now, now I'll actually change my ways and I will pee when I need to and not rush it. It's ultimately it's like seconds longer to let my body get the pee out. Right. It's own time. Right. <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. That's huge. Um, we have my, one more question regarding pregnancy. Again, we've touched on a lot of this, but just to reiterate a little bit, she, she's, you know, she said she pushed unguided, which I know that's another one that you could, might be able to touch on in terms of like guided pushing versus unguided pushing. Um, right. I know that guided pushing, like the one, two, three can cause some issues. Is that something that you've come into, into, um, or you've had experience with, with patients? Yep. So I, um, don't believe in pushing. I don't mm -hmm. believe that's not how our body is made. Our body, the ejection reflex is in our body and that's how the baby comes out. So if we can relax and big belly blow our way through our laboring down and when it's time you're, if you can breathe through a push, it's not time to push. It's just pressure because you're going to feel that pressure because the baby is on your colon and on your bladder and on your pelvic floor. And those pressure signals are how we eliminate urine and feces anyway. So those pressure signals are running around, you know, like crazy already. And then, um, we think it's time to push. It is not time to push when it is time to push your body will, the ejection reflex will take over and you cannot do anything else but push. Yes. So our goal is, um, my girls that deliver, they, our goal is to push less than three times. So when they say it's time to go, you're completely dilated, it, you know, whenever you're ready, I say, okay, you give it two more rounds, yeah. no pushing, okay. you know, relax, breathe. And they do. And, um, I tell you what, I've, I've delivered 69 babies. Um, I don't do that much anymore, but so I've been through the process and it's not like something that I'm just like, you know, this is kind of how it looks in anatomy and physiology and then put it out there. I've been to many births and I've been a part of so, so many successful births and, um, we don't tear around here. Yes. If you come to me prepartum, tearing is not an option because your, your pelvic floor has amazing range of motion, eccentric strength and flexibility. And then, um, also you're not pushing for one and a half hours. If you're pushing for more than 10 minutes, that is too long. Oh yeah. Because again, you should not be pushing your women with spinal cord injuries, never push and have vaginal deliveries. So think of it that way. They don't have the feeling. They don't know when to push. They can't push. They have no control of their muscular um, body below whatever level they're at. And, um, and they have vaginal deliveries all the time. Yeah. So that ejection reflex is there for a reason, you know, just like the matrician reflex. But we try to take over and be in control. We don't need to let our body do this job. It's amazing. Our bodies are amazing. So amazing. I wish you were in California so badly. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would love to be in California. It would be so much more accepted there. Uh, I mean, my doula was incredible. I labored at home for five hours. I, I had her, my daughter within an hour and a half of getting to the hospital. No, 45 minutes of getting to the hospital or not wow. something along those lines. And I, I just, I, pushing was my favorite part of the whole experience because like you said, it just felt like my body knew exactly what to do. Um, right. But I would even love to learn more from you because I did tear. Uh, she had her fist by her her head, but I still think like you know I pushed for about thirty forty minutes, and I imagine that um, I'm excited to do it again and really take yeah. your words to heart because uh, I while I wasn't guided, I, there was some pushing obviously. So now I'm like replaying it in my head, and I loved it. But at the same time, I'm like okay. 
I could see like going into it a little bit differently this time. And, and that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, goes into the pregnancy prep part mm-hmm. and what could she do to make this one better with the dislocated tailbone and the positioning. And that's something that we really need to be pushing that the pelvic therapist start working on these women at that stage, because when they come in, they see me when they're 20 weeks and we get a baseline, then they come back at 30 weeks and we start working. And at 20 weeks, they know what exercises that they're working on between 20 and 30 weeks. And at 30 weeks, when they come back, we are working on pushing, we are pushing, we are pushing in every position you can imagine. We are taking every possible scenario and putting that in as a you know possibility and practicing. We are going through talking. We are going through what happens if this is happening with the baby? What happens if this is happening with the baby? What are we going to, so every scenario, what happens minute one, you're done delivering. What happens two weeks after delivery, four weeks after delivery. So they are so well-versed and prepared that it's more, I don't know if it might be equal, but physically and mentally, they're so prepared that they've got it in the bank. You know, it's, it's they're so empowered. And I think there's no reason we shouldn't be doing this with these women. There's no reason. Yeah. And it's like, I imagine like decades, no, no more than that, generations and generations ago, women didn't need as much of this kind of education because we've been over the past like hundreds of years, we've as a people become so out of touch with our bodies that now we have to relearn how to do things that at one point came so innately to us. And I think that that's, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's like, it's, I have so much hope that there's doctors like you who are doing this. And so I, I see that there's, there's a shift happening and women are seeking out this kind of work and this kind of, I just wish that there was one of you in every County around the world or the country, (laughs) if only, um, there so, will be. There will be someday. It's not going to be anytime soon. But yeah. There will be. My goodness. Um, okay. So then I guess that puts us right into, so prepare, we've gone into kind of like how to prepare ahead of time. And so now postpartum, you mentioned things are a little bit different. Um, so beyond incontinence or pain, what are other signs of pelvic floor dysfunction that um, a mama might, might want to keep an eye out or feel out for postpartum? I think one thing that is probably missed a lot is low back pain being directly related to pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, a hundred percent a research study was done about four years ago and then redone, um, about a year ago. And they found that a hundred percent of women with low back pain had some level of pelvic floor dysfunction. So I think that low back pain gets dismissed or, you know, here rub some Bengay on it or icy hot, or, you know, here's some flexoril or go to a spine PT, which is great. But ultimately if it's related to birth, there's gotta be a red flag there that it's related to your pelvic floor. That's huge. Um, that's, I think that's a big one that gets missed. And do you think that, um, all the sitting plays into that at all? Or I guess, I guess pelvic floor health in general, um, and the impact of sitting. Cause I know I've had a number of women that I've worked with who they'll, um, I'll have them stand at work or move like from like yoga ball to standing to squatting as they work and just changing their positions. And that seems right. to make a big difference in terms of back pain. So, um, yeah. can long-term sitting impact pelvic floor health as well. Absolutely. Um, so the prendendal nerve runs right underneath your sits bones and the prendendal nerve is the nerve that innervates your entire pelvic floor. So if you're sitting with poor posture or you're sitting for too long and your posture obviously is going to slump, um, or your chair doesn't have the proper support, then you're going to compromise that nerve flow and, um, then inadvertently compromise the, the, um, muscles and the nerves and your sensation and could affect your ability to orgasm or enjoy sex. And so, yes, any comfort on those nerves because you're sitting too long are some people, um, 
wear the wrong kind of underwear or too tight of jeans and the seams are in the wrong place. And, you know, I know I have a huge running community here that um, have looked for seamless um, leggings and seamless nice. shorts forever. And the seams are just in the wrong place, you know, yeah. for some people that have prodental neuralgia. So, okay. um, yeah, definitely. But the other thing I think postpartum, the biggest thing that I think gets missed, and I think that this has been um, a swing in the pendulum a little bit. Women, for some reason, feel like as soon as they have a baby, they need to be up running and hiking and camping yeah. and back to work. And your body needs to heal. So my women are automatically put down for four weeks. Yes. So as soon as they have that baby, you need to get off your pelvic floor. So mm -hmm. the most upright they can be is to shower and use the restroom and they need to go back and be at least reclined so that the, the pressure is off the pelvic floor. So if you're sitting up or you're up walking or standing within the four weeks postpartum, you're asking your pelvic floor to work and it's damaged. It's been injured. There's been trauma there. It needs to recover. And so to give ourselves the most optimal chance of recovery, recoil happens the most minutes, days after delivery. So at four weeks, you're going to have a lot less recoil than you did at week two. So we need to stay down and let our body recoil and go back to where it was so we can get back to functioning like normal. So my goal with my women are at four weeks when they come see me postpartum, I can give them the the two mile in the morning without baby carrying um, go ahead because they have the proper support. Their muscles and their organs have recoiled enough to where they can support themselves. But if they haven't and they can't, you know, then it's just because they're not ready yet. And it would be detrimental if I gave them the go ahead to do something like that. Yeah, look at that. I mean, you're giving them feedback based on the individual woman, not just like, oh, it's been so many weeks. So go back, return to life. Um, right. and again, it's you as a, an incredible human battling a systemic issue of women feeling like they have to go back and do it all within two weeks, three weeks, even sooner sometimes. So um, I love that mandated four weeks, just chill out, enjoy your baby, right. cuddle, snuggle. Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. what, that's what I did. And, and I, you know, we set up a meal train and, and I would have another episode on this, like setting up your tribe postpartum, but people just brought us food. And I, for the first one in my life was like, Oh my gosh, like four weeks of just, just snuggling a kid and being on my butt and eating all the food. And it was, it was so cool. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have traded that for anything. I was in no rush to get, to get up and you know, we socialized a little bit, but then I would come home and just lay around. It was so great. So if you're listening to this, mamas, and you're pregnant or early postpartum, just it's four weeks, about four weeks out of your life and enjoy it. Don't uh, dread it. So that'd be my advice. You'll never regret it. Never no, regret it. No, never. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So we kind of touched on this, but being sewn up too tight which this get, kills me, sometimes termed the husband stitch. That makes me right. um, crazy. So um, how to make sex comfortable again uh, with this kind of tightness from potentially being sewn too tight? So that is, the good thing is that's usually just tissue tightness okay. and it's not muscular tightness. So the muscles haven't been sewn together. Usually it's the tissue that's been given an extra stitch. So that's just manual work. And we call it the pill roll and you can just reach in your vagina with your pointer finger or your thumb 
and then grab the outside. So the perineum where all that thick muscle is, um, grab the outside and roll it between your finger and thumb, like a pill, like a pill roll. Um, and if you use a little coconut oil, that's helps as well during that, um, pill rolling time. And I say, when you're in the shower, just do it for about 15, 20 seconds and be done with it. Don't get any dilators and don't do, you know, there's so much stuff out there. That's crazy. That's, um, not, it does, it's not necessary. And it's a lot of things are not functional, like the carrying your surfboard with your vagina. That's just not functional. It doesn't make any oh sense. Oh my gosh. No. So, I mean, um, that can cause so, some over, over toning, some hyper toning. Right. Like right. The pelvic so, weights. It, that's, that's unnecessary. Okay, There's that's nothing functional about that. There's not, no reason you're going to be carrying anything that weighs anything with your pelvic floor in that manner. Yeah. That's how it, I feel it about just it. Doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense to me either. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So that's one thing. Is there anything else that um, women could do at home without seeing a PT to restore pelvic floor after pregnancy or to help with tightness or, and then we, we should probably touch on the, on the other side. So there's hypertoning and then what the opposite might be um, like, would, would prolapse be the opposite of hyper toning? Um, sometimes, sometimes you have prolapse in your hypertonic, but hypotonic would be the opposite. Okay. And that's when you have like a gaping introitus or um, you know, some women will be like, it's a stadium down there now, or mm. it's basically the muscle tone is very, um, low or the bulkiness is not there anymore. Like when we look at it and think of a bicep, we want it to be bulky. We want the pelvic floor to be bulky as well. Okay. So that bulking needs to happen. And, um, oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes after giving birth, the overstretching of the muscle, if the muscle's not used to being stretched is going to damage it to the point where it's going to have a difficult time bulking up again. You know, picture when you overstretch a hamstring, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard to get that hamstring back to recovery. Yeah. Um, so it's the same thing. So if we can, again, going back to prevention, if we can make that range of motion there and flexible in order to um, keep that from overstretching and tearing to where we lose the bulkiness. So um, the pill roll is something you can definitely do at home, but other things that you can do postpartum um, is that functional support. That's really, really important. Um, also things that you can do, you can do ab work and breathing and stuff like that. But, um, I think the most important thing is to allow your body to heal that recoil time. Mm -hmm. Um, once you recoil and your body kind of gets back reset, you're going to go back to functioning normally again. If you don't give yourself that time to heal, then you're always going to have a deficit mm -hmm. or always have a slight impairment. So like let your body heal and go to reset mode, functional support at every time you're up and around, um, full range of motion when you're at relaxed and when you're breastfeeding, your pelvic floor should be relaxed. Um, so like bigger picture muscle conditioning, not yeah. just all strengthening, strengthening, strengthening. Okay. I love that. Um, I think that's something that people, people want like quick fixes and they want, give me like an actual, give me a little exercise video of what I can do. And it's more like, no, this has to be not just like seconds or minutes a day. It's a, it's a lifestyle thing. Our pelvic floor is right. a product of how we live and breathe and move functionally in our bodies daily, not just the five minutes we put towards whatever exercise for the day. Right. Okay. And can I go back to the, um, how to make more sex, more comfortable? Yes, please. I want to talk um, about okay. sex. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So this is something that I think again, kind of gets ignored and pushed past. And, you know, it's kind of a man's world out there. Um, there is anatomy and physiologically a women's body needs eight minutes of warm up time for the vagina to be prepared for penetration. Nice. Eight minutes. <laughs> And that's not like eight minutes watching 50 shades of gray. It's eight minutes of, 
you know, touching and fondling and kissing and making out and oral sex and fun, you know, whatever that woman needs to get to where she needs to be for preparation is if she doesn't like it, that doesn't count. Right. You know, if she's not interested, it doesn't count. She needs to be anatomically and physiologically prepared. And the only way to do that is to do stuff she's enjoying and that she is interested in. So, um, that again, that's science eight minutes. So when you, you know, the question later about the lubrication, well, there's nothing wrong with lubrication. Use coconut oil. You know, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Saliva can be lubrication as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, if the body is prepared, then there should be no problem creating lubrication herself. There might be other circumstances that are preventing, like she might be dehydrated because she ran a marathon the day before, or, um, she might be, um, not trying to produce enough milk. And again, her body system, her fluid bounce on her body is not up to par yet. Right. So there are other things to consider as far as that. But again, if you're not giving yourself the opportunity to self lubricate, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So like give yourself that eight minutes of scientifically proven prep time that a woman needs to have penetration. Yes. That's really what I was hoping you were going to say. Cause we get a lot of questions like in our Facebook tribe group. And I'm always like, First off, you don't need to climax just from penetration every time. There's lots of other things you can do, like talk to your spouse or your partner and let them know what you like and and work your way there. So the fact that now I have your backing of eight minutes and it's actually scientifically proven makes me feel even more valid in my <laughs> my responses there. Because preach it. Yeah, I, it. I feel like Luke certainly serves a purpose, but I don't think it should just be the first resource every time um, because we, our bodies are kind of designed, they, they are designed to create their own. And so, um, I feel like if, if time and time again, we're not creating our own, then something has to change. That's, that's just how it's going to be a crutch. It. Yes. It, it won't create it cause it doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Beautiful. So I guess then we'll touch some more on sex here since we're here. So we talked about lube. Um, I don't know if you have any specific tips on feeling sexy again, after having a baby and how to intimate, uh, how to initiate intimacy. That's something it's not necessarily PT related, but I would say that kind of your response to the last question, or the last thought there really kind of also answers this one. It's like having that eight minutes to get you there and that's going to help you to feel, even if it takes, it might take off the full eight minutes for you to get in the mood. But, um, sure. I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of it for, for me is about communication. Um, it's got to right. be two way, like, you you know, husband's trying to, or partner's trying to, to initiate, um, or you want to be the one to initiate. I actually am a believer that um, foreplay starts like in the morning, like have, you know, it, it, <laughs> right. it brings you a cup of coffee or like leaves you a sweet note or does little things, does the laundry when you really need it done. Like all that can also be kind of considered foreplay in my opinion. Right. I think that um, we have two rules in the clinic. One is a 30 second rule. Um, the 30 second rule is if someone is interested, one of the partners are interested and the other one is not, then the partner gets 30 seconds to change the other person's mind. Oh my God. I love and it, it seems like that rule never gets broken. <laughs> it always works. And then, um, the other thing is, is that because having a new baby, your whole life has changed. Mm -hmm. Everything about your life has changed as far as schedule. So we schedule every single thing in our life. So schedule that intimacy as well. Mm -hmm. Schedule it, put it on the calendar. So there's no like, is it tonight? I'm not sure. Do I need to go shave? Am I, you know, like, <laughs> There's no questioning what's going on. Like, you know, it's time, dress right, be prepared, you know, have the right wine out, whatever it is that you need. 
and you know, and he knows, so no one's questioning or guessing or feeling like they're going to be, might be turned down or, you know, so it won't be disappointing. It'll be something that you get to prepare for and have fun with. And, um, like I said, we schedule everything else in our life. And if this is what you need to do to get things back on track, mm-hmm. absolutely schedule it. hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And, um, I love the 30 second rule. That's something that I'm going to spread like wildfire now when I hear it. Cause I think that's totally Good. fair. And there's times when maybe like, you know, one, one partner isn't necessarily in the mood, but I, 30 seconds, that, that'll get you there. Right. <laughs> Otherwise right. it's probably really off the table, but I, I don't see that happening very often. So that's well, great. if the person really wants it, they know what they need to do to get you there, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And again, the- that goes back to communication. Like y- you should be able to have conversations about like, hey, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. So the partner does the one thing that, that you know you really like. You're like, okay, they are they're, they mean business. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. This is happening. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Well, I think I'm trying to think. Okay. So I, you know, we kind of jumped to sex. And that's what I wanted to, that was kind of our final questions, but there is an interesting one that I want to touch on because I think we talked about lower back pain. We talked about, um, how pelvic floor issues can still come up with cesarean. Um, so this one is interesting. She says she's, she's feeling like she's being pulled apart during pregnancy. I felt like I did a huge split and couldn't hold my legs back together during pregnancy. Is that a pelvic floor issue? Um, so that can be one of two things, mm-hmm. either pelvic floor, the muscles itself, um, that are the innervation of the muscles. Um, or number two, it could be, um, the pubic symphysis, which is the actual joint of your pubic bone. So if that gets pulled apart, which is very common in pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't go back together, it's not, there's not a spring in that there's no muscles right there. The muscles are the pelvic floor muscles that support, support that joint, but that joint has also got connective tissue and it can be overstretched and yeah, she's going to feel like she can pull her legs back together. Okay. So what she needs to do is get a sacroiliac belt. Okay. Um, a sacroiliac belt, it goes around the, the pelvis, the pelvic ring, it supports the sacrum and the pubic symphysis, which is that joint in the front, um, in order to keep everything nice and strong. And is that so that's that, temporary, like as it heals and then she can do yeah. without it down the yeah. road? Okay, cool. Yes. Awesome. So then I guess this final one is a good one to end on because it kind of helps people be led to whether they should see someone like you. So she says she's almost three weeks postpartum with her first. She had grade, grade three to four tearing. She saw her OB at two weeks to check and make sure she was healing okay and asked if she would be referring her to a pelvic floor PT at her six-week follow-up. And she said that not everyone needs it. Would it be worth at least having an evaluation regardless of my OB's thoughts once she's at that point? So I guess who should go see a pelvic floor PT and what are your thoughts there? Every woman, anybody that has a vagina should see a pelvic floor PT just to learn what is what. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing how you will feel things and be like, oh, that's my cervix. That's what that feels like. Or, you know, these are where your ovaries are. If you're feeling this here, this is what this is probably an ovarian cyst or, you know, which is completely normal. Something that happens all the time in people. And um, I think that we just become um, really ignorant in a, in not a mean way, but we are very ignorant of that area. And I think that also the people need to consider OBs are trained in medicine. They're trained to protect you from diseases, from infections, from, you know, protecting you from getting sick. They are not trained musculoskeletally. So I work very extremely close with Marbevard County OBs and they are amazing, but they are not musculoskeletal specialists. Mm-hmm. And I get them, they refer patients to me to say, this woman would like a VBAC. What do you think? Is it going to happen? You know, or this woman had a broken pelvis or had a broken hip. 
can she have a natural delivery? You know, because they, they are recognizing that in this area. And like I said, I've been doing this for eight years, which is a short amount of time in the world of medicine. But, um, anyway, it's starting, it's caught on here and it's starting to catch on other places. And I really think that people just need to remember when they go to their OB or any physician for that matter, they need to realize that whatever they're asking them, they're going to give them the information based on their specialty. Mm-hmm. So if they go to a surgeon, they're probably going to say you need surgery, right? You know, so just, just be keen on that fact. So OBs are amazing and they do a great job, you know, most of them, but just remember that it's, they're, they're going to say squeeze and feel a little movement and be like, no, you're great. <laughs> if they don't see anything falling out or anything bright red and pussy, then they're going to be like, oh no, you look fine. You great. Know? Do your setups so, and run a marathon. That's right. Awesome. Exactly. That's exactly what I was hoping you would hear. Do you have any resources for people to find someone near them? Is there like a website yes. people? Okay. That's great to know. Yes. So, um, if you go to findapt.com or .org, I'm not sure which one, but find a PT and then want in there, you put your zip code in and it said within how many miles of your zip code and you'll put, you know, say 25 miles within of your zip code. And then, um, the next question will be what kind of physical therapist and you scroll all the way to the bottom and select women's health. And so then if any are around, hopefully they are, they'll pop up. But the number one thing when you are seeing a women's health therapist that you need to recognize if, if they are certified, if they have not been through the certification process, then there's a lot of stuff that they haven't learned. And they're going to tell you to Kegel or to hold it or to try to stop your flow of urine to see if you're strong enough when all that is wrong. So um, if they are not certified, CAP pelvic floor certified, women's health certified, CAP OB certified, if they are not certified, they do not need to be treating pelvic floor. Okay. That is so good to know. And I'm going to put all this in the show notes that people, if you missed that or any capacity, um, I'll give the play-by-play in the show notes for this episode so you can figure out how to go find the right person. You know, it's something I've been thinking about. I haven't gone to a pelvic floor PT. I have uh, no like obvious issues at all. Um, I've been able to jump rope and run and like no leakage, no nothing. But I still, like you said, I I did like perineal massage when I was pregnant. I'm pretty well-versed in that area, you know, like masturbation, all that. But I also mm-hmm. feel like it's good to get a better understanding of like the inner workings of the pelvic floor. And so I've been looking, hoping to find someone. So now I have the tools at my disposal to go look someone up. Awesome. I hope that helps. I hope somebody learned something today from this. Oh and my gosh. I lo- so <laughs> thankful you had me on. This is I awesome. So much. Word. Thank you so much for coming on. I so greatly appreciate it. And, um, I can't tell you how many women I have full confidence that this is going to actually change some life. So thank you so much for that. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and um, I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Oh, wait, real quick. Where can people find you? I th- I feel like we should share where people can, not just looking up other um, PTs, but where can people actually find you? So if you go to my website, doctorofwomenshealthptot.com, that's my website. Um, I'm in actually Melbourne, Florida. So um, we have people fly in from all over the United States to see us there, which is really amazing. And it's a great honor and a huge compliment that that happens. Um, because again, there's not many people that do what we do in the United States and especially not what I do when it comes to pregnancy. So, um, you're, if you want to just look us up and see what we're all about. And, um, if you happen to be vacation to see, you know, come and see Mickey and Minnie, maybe you want to stop by or just email me and ask me a question. I'll reply. Beautiful. Um, we're all email about there too. 
Yeah, I'm like yeah. already, I'm scheming to get out there. I don't really want to see anyone local. I want to come see you. So I'm like, okay, how can we make come this like My husband's <laughs> yeah. now traveling a lot for work. So I'm like, okay, you should try and get a gig in Florida and I'll go with you and then we'll go see you. Uh, awesome. Are you on social media at all? Um, we are, we're not really good about it. We're really, yeah, we're, we're honestly, to be honest, we are so busy yeah. that, um, it's crazy to have much downtime to do that kind of stuff, which well, we should. Yeah. Around, and the but. point of social media right now, for the most part is like, it is really to draw people to your business and it doesn't sound like that's an issue for you. So I guess luckily, hopefully podcasts like this will help to just continue to spread the word on a greater scale and, uh, continue to make change. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And uh, guys, you can always, as always, email us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. Find me at laura.radicalroots on Instagram. Jess is at jess.holdthespace. And we are so grateful for you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.